Today, gonna be a little story time. Welcome to The Ruckus, presented by Joe Rowe. A podcast that takes the filter off. Hey, 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 people. What's good? What's going on? Joe Rowe here. And uh, today it's all about stories. It's story time. That's right. Growing up in Southern California. Well, I appreciate you guys coming by. And uh, this is the first real podcast. All the, uh, the other three that I had, they were pretty much just talking about what I want to do. What's going on with the podcast, what I want to, you know, how excited I am and the things that uh, I'm getting amped about as far as the podcast. And in typical Joe Rowe fashion, I kind of went whole hog, uh, jumped in both feet, so to speak. I got all the gear, I got all the this and then that and then, you know, whatever I, I need because I can't half-ass it. I don't have it inside me. It's not something I do. And it usually ends up hitting my wallet pretty good. But in all good things, you got to pay for what you play for, if that makes sense. So, uh, you know, as the saying goes, the one with the most toys wins. So let's get right into it. Uh, Story time today. Uh, Kind of a cheesy, cheesy get go for the title, but it is what it is. I wanted to talk about growing up in Southern California. Um, It. As as it goes with anybody that leaves their hometown, you don't really appreciate it until you're gone. Hindsight being what it is, uh, led to this, led to this uh, talking about it and telling you a few stories from my childhood, some funny ones, some weird ones, some uh, things that made me appreciate uh, my parents and growing up in Southern California. Now, for context... I guess you could call it Southern California. It's right there in the middle. I always tell everybody that I went, or rather I I grew up in Santa Barbara because nobody knows where Lompoc is except for people that grew up in Lompoc. Um, So it's just easier to tell them that I'm from Santa Barbara. But it's right in the middle, like I said. So it's not really Southern California. It kind of is. Of course, people from Northern California will say it definitely is Southern California. But neither here nor there. Um, one of the things I've come to appreciate is the neighborhood I grew up in. Um, my parents hit it out of the park with that because it could have been the time frame. It could have been, you know, cause kids these days, they'd much rather be indoors playing, you know, video games or doing whatever these millennials do these days. But the way I grew up was you're outside the door. I, I distinctly remember my mom kicking us out and locking the door and saying, don't come back until the streetlight comes on. And, uh, if, if you didn't come back or if we were late, which we usually were, you know, I, I would hear my name bellowed across the neighborhood and my eyes would get big and I'd look at my friends and, you know, in a, in a slight panic go, I gotta go. So, uh, there was that, but that, that was the, that was the key though. That was the, the neighborhood that I grew up in was, it was safe. It was fun. We could ride our bikes in the street we could uh, cruise around and, and, you know, cause a ruckus, so to speak. But uh, talking about riding bikes, one of the funny stories that comes to mind is me and my brothers and the neighborhood kids, too, as well, we always rode bikes. We rode bikes everywhere. I mean, if we had to go somewhere, we were on two wheels. And so my f- my forte, my uh, bread and butter, you know, what makes me feel comfortable is to be on two wheels, whether that's bicycles or motorcycles or, or what have you. <clears throat> and 
we used to get around on these bikes, and of course, being the the neighborhood or the environment that I grew up in, everybody's always pushing each other to jump bigger, do a wheelie, bunny hop, you know, all these little tricks, you know, try and show off for your friends. Well, we used to build these ramps, and in, in hindsight, looking back, they probably weren't the most, you know, safe standard to building ramps whatever wood we could find laying around. Sometimes my dad helped, sometimes my brothers helped, but nine times out of 10, it was just a bunch of wood with plywood laid on them. And and we just see, you know, let's see what happens. So this one day we're out in front of the house and we're jumping on this ramp. And of course it turns into who can jump the furthest, who can jump the highest. And then we started getting, stealing all the trash cans from all the neighbors. And we're saying, you know, we're trying to see how far or rather, how many trash cans we could jump over. So pushing the limit, pushing the limit, we're having fun. We're clearing, you know, one trash can, two trash cans, three trash cans. And then of course, synonymous with jumping and bikes, you got to lay all your friends down and see how many friends you can jump over. And someone always takes the back tire to the wrist or the ribs or whatnot. Um, but it, it was all good. Nobody got hurt. So we move all these trash cans. And of course, in typical fashion, girls show up and <laughs> I'm laughing because I, re- I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, some girls show up and of course we got to show off. So we're showing off. We're doing this. We're doing that wheelies and jumps and, you know, Hey, look at us. We're so freaking cool. And I get into my, you know, bright mind that I'm going to wheelie off this ramp. And it's about, I'd say if I'm remembering right, about two feet, three feet high, the, the peak of the ramp. So I go, and I'm going to wheelie off this ramp, land on the back tire like the style king that I am, and ride the wheelie out. Well, it was a good plan in theory. If, it, if I pulled it off, uh, you know, spoiler alert, if I pulled it off, it would have been epic. However, comma, um, I did not pull it off. <laughs> I did not pull it off. And as a matter of fact, I didn't have enough forward momentum to get off the ramp. So when I got to the peak of the ramp, the bike stalled and the front end went slamming down. Well, front end slamming down, if I had the upper body strength, wouldn't have been a big deal. However, I was, I want to say 13. So I haven't quite, you know, found muscles yet or strength or anything resembling control, at least as, as far as my memory serves. And when the front tire hit... The handlebars twisted, slapped out, you know, snatched out of my hands, and I went face first into the ground. Back then, we didn't wear helmets. Okay, not too bad. I mean, it's, it was two feet off the ground. Kind of violent, but no big deal. Except for in my neighborhood, in that whole neighborhood, rather, uh, they didn't pave the roads. No, they didn't make it nice and smooth. They did not, uh, you know in my opinion, they went the cheap route, but it was effective. So what they did back then was they laid down tar and then they laid down gravel. And then as you drove over the gravel, it, you know, uh, mushed into the tar and all was well. You had a good fresh road, except, I mean, that's, that's all good, but it's not quite good with your face smashed into it. So (laughs) the, uh, the failed attempt at trying to impress some girls um, ended up with me picking gravel out of the side of my face 
and all my friends laughing at me. So, uh, to include the girls, you know, failure on that point. But, um, yeah, that's, that's one of my neighborhood memories that I have. The first one that comes to mind, uh, good times. And, uh, yeah, I'll never forget that one. Excuse me. Now talking more about the neighborhood, this was, and I didn't really, as a matter of fact, I didn't realize this until recently, but we had kind of like the, I don't know, I want to say cookie cutter, but not really cookie cutter neighborhood. We had all of the stereotypes in there and, you know, we, we had my dad and my mom and, and our little family and whatnot. My dad was a mechanic and, you know, I was the boy of the family. My sister was the girl of the family and, you know, okay, you know, whatever. Fairly normal family. Next door to us, we had a house that several, I want to say like 15 people rented, but they were never there for very long. Um, it just didn't, it was kind of a shady type house. Just, I don't know, they could have been selling drugs or whatever the fuck they wanted to do there. But it was just nobody lived there. Nobody owned the house that, you know, stay there. And then across the street, you had the grumpy old couple that were clearly retired just based off of their flower content of their front yard. But they had these cherry trees out in front of their house that were on the curbside, you know, past the sidewalk. And we would always eat the cherries and throw the, you know, seeds as kids do. But don't give a shit about your, uh, your sidewalk. And, you know, we'd get yelled at and and, of course, they would either, you know, they'd yell at us, and if it didn't work, then they'd come to and talk to our parents. So they were the grumpy couple. Um, and then to the left of them was my buddy Ralph, and that that's where we were always over there, uh, you know, in his garage, fixing bikes and, and getting ready for the weekend to go race dirt bikes and whatnot. And then there was the house that had the chain-link fence around it, which uh, you never really saw the people come and go. But everything somehow was maintained. It was, it was a strange, strange setup. And then to the left of us, if you're looking, you know, facing our, our front door, to the left of us was, was the weird family. And I say the weird family, family lovingly because they were a nice family and whatnot. But um, they had these two kids. And they, they were about the same age as my sister and I, uh, closer to my sister. One was called Josh. And the other one was called Ryan. And we gave him a, you know, ever so loving, loving uh, nickname of Search and Destroy. Now, I'd, I've lost touch with these guys. So if they're, you know, somehow listening to this, sorry for, you know, putting your business out there. However, we call him Search and Destroy because, well, Ryan would find things and Josh would destroy them. So uh, they were kind of the, the friends that... He, you had to give a warning before they showed up, you know, oh, there's, there's Ryan and there's Josh and they do this and that and whatnot. So anyhow, the neighborhood we grew up in, I didn't realize how overly normal it was until I left, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. And if I could raise my kids in that kind of a neighborhood, that would be, that would be amazing because like I said, growing up, we we're always out on our bikes. We we're always out outside playing and, and, uh, you know, building tree forts and just doing kid things, things you don't really see too much today. And, and so, yeah, if you have one of those neighborhoods, then, then good for you because it's, it's a fond memory. Um, talking about going back to the the motorcycles and whatnot, 
we used to go, I would say, there was one, for sure there was one summer that my dad, who's a mechanic and, and a hot rod guy and, and a, a car enthusiast, um, always working on something, can never leave anything alone, he's always adjusting something, but he had a 1957 Bel Air, and, uh, excuse me, coffee break. So, he had a 1957 Bel Air, still has it to this day, um, I have it tattooed on my arm, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a part of the family, but we had this one summer that I remember, um, he, you know, because dirt bikes was our, that was our life, we, every Saturday, uh, if not Saturday and Sunday, we were riding, um, it, it was a family affair, my mom didn't get quite into it too much, because she just, she was terrified that, you know, we were going to get hurt, motherly things and whatnot. Um, so she she wasn't too much into it. That and she had a few incidents on motorcycles that just kind of turned her off. So anyhow, it was me and my sister and my dad. And mostly me and my dad um, out every weekend. Well, there was a summer that uh, he hooked this little trailer. Now, if you're familiar with Tractor Supply um, or uh, like Harbor Freight type place... It was one of those little bullshit trailers that, you know, you can get for a couple hundred bucks. Not something that instills a lot of confidence, but it was it was classic. It was a little red trailer, little tires, you know, and he hooked this up to the 57. Well, now thinking back, that, that in itself was just, that was such a, a, a dad thing to do, you know. Like, well, well, shit, we need to get from point A to point B. Let's hook this trailer up to the 57. I'm, now I'm thinking, I would never hook up this little trailer to a 57 Bel Air hot rod type, you know, that classic car. But anyhow, he did that for a whole summer. And I think, I thank him to this day for it because it was, it's, it's another awesome memory. And it's one that I'll hold close to my heart for a long time. So we load the bikes in the back and we found this place. It's about two hour drive. It's called Ballinger. Um, if you're in Southern California, you're familiar with it. It's a off-road vehicle area and you know you can camp there and there's trails everywhere and it's just it's perfect it's that's where you go to have fun on two wheels four wheels whatnot so for a whole summer he loads the bikes in the back and you know i help and whatnot as much as i can and we head out to ballinger and two hours there um but on the journey i found this one point you know i just like to say that i was you know paying attention but we found this one point that if I put this tape in, by the time the tape finished, we would be at Ballinger and it'd be time to ride. Well, this tape, and <laughs> bless my dad's heart, um, it was Scorpions, and I can't remember the name of the album, but there was a song, and I always called it Donkey Pond when I was a kid, but I, I believe it's called The Winds of Change. I, don't quote me on that. I'm, I could be right, could be wrong. I don't know. So we play this this tape, and I I think uh, I think I wore that tape out like twice, and we had to get another one because it it was just it was like it it started out with a time frame thing, and then it turned into a good luck charm, and you know it just it was our we're going to Ballinger tape to listen to, and that was that was just in my memory it was the most epic thing to have those little niche things that my dad and I did and I'll always hold those close because 
it was just it was it was like a rhythm you know we'd get up early and then we'd put the trailer on the back and he'd show me how to tie down the bikes and we'd head off and then the tape got played and then we get to ballinger and we have fun and blah 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 well he did that pulling two dirt bikes behind this 57 bel air for a whole summer um it may have been every weekend uh, in my mind it was every weekend but neither here nor there as one of the best memories that i have of growing up as a kid um and it's it's something that I hope to do for my kids is to, to be that committed to just one little thing. It's so simple, but getting the job done and let's go have fun. Um, some of the <laughs> I'm, I've got some notes here that I'm reading. Some of the things that happened as I grew up, you know, and got in into girls and high school and whatnot. Um, I started working at this place called Albertsons. It's a grocery store there in Southern California. And uh, it was it was money, you know, and it was <clears throat> helped me pay for parts for my dirt bike. <clears throat> so it was it, it was just a you know a high school kid job pushing carts and bagging groceries and whatnot. Well, I met this other guy, his name was Josh. He worked there at the time, and he had an old beat up, I wanna say like a 1981 or 82 Toyota pickup. I mean, this thing did not look like it was roadworthy. It was it was just beat to hell. And we become friends, working at Albertsons and uh, you know doing doing our our thing. And he gets this bright idea, dude. Let's go to Mexico. And I'm like, Mexico? What the? Why would? Why the hell would we go to Mexico? So anyhow, he talks me into it, and uh, we go to Mexico. Now. I told my mom, I don't think I've tell, told my dad this, but um, if you're listening, dad, here's here's the story. But I told my mom later on in life what this trip was because the story we gave was that we were going to the beach. We are just going to go camping. Well, we kind of did not do that. And by kind of, I mean we went to Mexico. So we go to Mexico, and it's forever. I mean, it takes forever. It, it was not, it was a lot further <laughs> In our minds, it was like three beaches down and hang a left at Albuquerque. I mean, it was, we didn't have any idea how far it was. So anyhow, we get in the car, we're driving, 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 driving. We get all the way through L.A. Lo and behold, this little pickup of his, it was, it was holding up. So we get down to Mexico, and this is back when you didn't need a passport or nothing. You just went through, and I'm 17, he's 18. They didn't ask for passport. They didn't ask for ID. They are just like, hey, welcome to Mexico. There you go, Tijuana. So we get into Tijuana, and like I said, I'm 17, he's 18. Um, I may have even been 16, but anyhow, we get there, and we don't know what we're doing. Well, he thinks that he's super cool, and he, he's got this, this all figured out. So we get down there, and I'm, I'm asking questions like, so what are we going to do? I mean, like, do, do we just do we go to a restaurant? I mean, we go to the beach? What are we doing? He's like, no, man, we got to go to a bar. We got to get the full Mexico experience, the full experience. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> what is the full experience? So he was a little more knowledgeable on the party scene and whatnot than, than me. And he's like, we need to go to an authentic. And he, he put a lot of emphasis on that word, authentic uh, Mexican bar. And I'm like, okay, I don't even know what a Mexican bar. I mean, I'd, I've never, at that point I hadn't, I may have had a beer or two. I don't. It, I was not a party guy. So anyhow, we go and we find a door. There's no sign. There's no anything. It's just a door, a red door, as a matter of fact. 
<clears throat> so we go and we open this door and he, he's like, yeah, this is it. But before we get in there, he gives me this speech. He gives me this, this rundown, this, uh, you know, situation report, if you will. He's like, okay, so when we get in, when we're down there and we're walking around, you got, you got to walk around like a crackhead. And I was like, what the hell? What, how, who, I don't know a crackhead. How do they walk? So he's showing me and he's like flailing his arms and he's twitching his neck and he's just kind of like this and like that. And, and, and I was like, what? now why do I need to walk around like a crackhead? Like, why is this important to me? And he can, he's like, well, because then they'll leave you alone. They'll think that, you know, you're, you're high or you're dangerous or something. And so picture two, you know, 17, 18 year old kids walking like crackheads to this red door. We're just bebopping along. We sling the door open like we own the place. And we go inside, and it was straight out of like a like a <clears throat> like an old Western movie. The music screeches to a stop. Everybody snaps their head and looks at us. And I immediately feel uncomfortable. Goes without saying. Now, let's backtrack a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm Mexican. I know that I'm Mexican. I'm, I've always known that I'm Mexican. But back then, I was just a kid. I was just a, 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 a white guy with a tan. I mean, I, I didn't think like a Mexican. Didn't, I didn't, still don't speak Spanish. But I barely look the part. Like, I mean, I'm wearing board shorts and a T-shirt. I just, I'm not, there's nothing about me that says, hey, this dude belongs in Mexico. And, uh... So we go in there, and they're all looking at me, and they're looking at him, and he's a lot taller than me, and it's like I'm his little kid brother. We go in there, and, and he thinks he's all cool. He's, you know, we sit up at the bar, and he goes, yeah, I want dos cervezas. And he says it in the most white guy way possible, dos cervezas. And the guy behind the counter did not, he did not move a facial muscle at all. He, I don't think he blinked. He didn't laugh at us. He was clearly just, like he he loved his job. He must have loved his job. That's what that's what I saw. He loved his job as a bartender. <laughs> so anyhow, he gives us these dos cervezas, and I don't even remember. It's probably Tecate or something like that. But <clears throat> gives us these, you know, and they're in a can, and and uh, yeah, I think it was Tecate because it's a red can. Whatever. Um, so we drink these beers, and still everybody's looking at us like. Now, when I think back, I'm thinking they're looking at us like we're weird because I'm wearing, like I said, I'm wearing board shorts. He's wearing a t I'm wearing a t-shirt and he's got, you know, some cargo shorts and a tank top and, and, uh, you know, we're just out of place. Well, look, you know, in, in my mind, looking back, they weren't looking at us because we were weird. We were, they were looking at us because we didn't belong with the caveat that if we don't hurry up and drink that beer, they're going to fuck us up, you know? If I had that look now when I walked into a bar, that's exactly what I would think. Um, hey, guys, yeah, we should get the fuck out of here because we're going to die soon. You know, that type of thing. So, <clears throat> so we drink our beers and we get out of there and we head out, you know, down. It's, it's sunsetting and we're going out into the, ta the town, Tijuana itself. And we're looking around and we're checking things out and we find this bar. <clears throat> Imagine that, Tijuana, there's a bar. Okay. So we find this bar, and it attracted us because they had super glued a freaking school bus to the side of the building. And we're like, hey, we recognize that school bus. We just rode that to school. Got it. Let's go there. So we go in there, and this school bus, it wasn't on the ground floor. No, it was second floor, and it was way, I mean, like, they just 
I don't know, hot glue gun, friggin' bolted it, whatever, to the side of the the building. So we go in there, and, you know, again, he's walking around like a crackhead. I've lost touch with that, and I'm just, I'm going in like the little, you know, tan white guy that I am. Walk in there, and we get some beers, we're hanging out, we meet some girls. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, he leans over to me, and he's like, dude, we need to lie to them. And I said, okay, what do you mean? Why do we need to lie to them? He goes, because we're we're not like they're they're in college we're not in college and i said okay i don't know how to be a college guy i'm a high school guy and i'm a kind of like a you know white guy with a tan so i don't know how to be a college guy um how do you do that and so i'm taking all my cues from this guy and he's you know he's he's dishing out the advice and we try it so I think I was, uh, you know, a, a, a junior or a senior in college, which I looked like I was nine years old till I was 23, if not till now. I, I mean, I've always had a baby face. So back then, excuse me, back then I looked like I was nine years old. <clears throat> Definitely not a junior in freaking college. So we're throwing all these lies out there and either they just felt sorry for us or whatever. We ended up hanging out the night and that was great. Okay, great. So we did not end up, you know, no bonuses on that. It didn't work out. We didn't hang out with them. We didn't go home with them. They would just spend time with them at the bar. So we go and we get a hotel. We crash for the night. Next day we wake up. He tells me that he's heard down here in good old Tijuana that Papa's and Beer, popular uh, bar, chain, restaurant, whatever you want to call it, uh, is the place to be. So I'm like, okay, well, where the hell's that? He's like, I don't know. Let's go find it. So we're driving around, driving around. We're asking some people. Sure enough, we find Papa's and Beer. So we go in there. Lo and behold, they're one of the few places in Mexico that ask for ID. Neither of us are 21, which was weird now that I think about it, because it is Mexico. It is Tijuana. And they asked us for ID. Hmm. Maybe we did look as young as we were. So we can't get in. So we go out there and we're brainstorming. He's like, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We're going to ask him if we can use the bathroom. Nah, that's what we're going to do. Yep, we're going to ask him if we can use the bathroom because they're not open yet. It's probably it's like noon. We're trying to get into the, this place at noon. We clearly don't know the uh, schedule of when the party happens. So it's noon and we're trying to get into this place because it's the coolest place in town. <clears throat> No music's playing, nothing's going on. I mean, people are wiping down tables and setting up beer tubs, and, and they're clearly getting ready for the night, and we're trying to get in there because it's the party party spot. So anyhow, we get in there. They, they believed us that we just wanted to use the bathroom. More than likely, they were just thinking, yeah, nothing's going on. Go ahead, use the bathroom. We don't care. So we get in there, and he's like, come over here. Come on. And he yanks me by the shirt. We go over and he throws me. Now, now mind you, he's, he's a large fella. He, I mean, in, in my memory, he was like two feet taller than me. Could have been accurate. But either way, he threw me underneath the stage. And then he dove in. We smashed heads and we're laying underneath this stage. I don't remember bleeding, but it felt like I should have been bleeding. We get under there. He's like, shh, be quiet. And I said, okay, what the fuck are we doing under here? He's like, we're going to wait. Now, remember, I mentioned this is noon. Most bars don't start doing anything like maybe serving food around 5, 6 o'clock. But the party doesn't start happening until way past that. 
So we stay under this stage, and we're just down there shooting shit, talking and whatnot. We hear people walking by. We get all quiet. You know, it's a covert mission. We're sneaking into a bar and pretending like we're ninjas underneath this freaking, underneath this stage. So we're hanging out and hanging out and hanging out and hanging out. Hours are going by. We probably took a nap or two. We wake up, you know. We stuck around for the party. Well, we were so delirious. We didn't know what was going on, what time it was. When we finally figured out what time it was, the party was happening. It was freaking 10 o'clock at night. So we had been on there underneath this, this stage from noon, noon 30 at the best, till 10 o'clock at night. So we waited. And this is, this is the resilience of kids trying to do something they're not supposed to be doing. Uh, and we didn't even, like, nothing even happened. Like, we, we were underneath the stage to be so cool and be in the hot spot. And nothing happened. Like, we had some beer. And nothing happened. Like, we didn't hook up with girls. Nothing happened. <laughs> it was not an epic night. It was just a lot of time under a stage for maybe two beers because we didn't have the tolerance of grown-ups, and we were just, you know, we look at a can of beer and we're half drunk. So it was just, that's what happened. So another day goes by, and we wake up the next day, or another night goes by, rather. We wake up the next day, and we're like, okay, let's go let's go shopping. Let's go find some cool shit. And so we, we find, uh, well, first, we needed another place to stay because, you know, we didn't plan ahead. We only got a hotel for one night so we go and we find a hotel and it's a hotel california I don't, know if you, I don't know if you're familiar with that down there but there's a hotel down there they you know jumped on the bandwagon with the uh you know the song and whatnot and said nah, we'll put, build a place called hotel california so we get a place in there and they put us in like the back 40 i mean it's not in the, in the nice rooms it's just a place to crash it's a bed it's a tv that's it so we get in there we throw our bags in there and we go out shopping and we find brass knuckles actual brass knuckles and we're like oh we're the coolest kids ever i mean college kids yeah yeah we're the coolest college kids ever because we got brass knuckles and we we stash all this stuff in our room we got brass knuckles we got fireworks we got a lucha libre or whatever the, you know wrestler guys that mask we got we each got one of those all these the stupid shit that we found you know in a little uh you know uh what the hell they call those things not an accessory shop, a souvenir shop. There we go. Souvenir shop. <clears throat> and uh, we just think we're the coolest things ever. So we put all the stuff and we start in the in the bedroom. And we go out and we try and find uh, the girls because they said they were going to be, the from the first night, they said they were going to be back at that bus bar. At least that's what we were calling it, the bus bar. Um, so we go there, didn't find them. I'm like, okay, well... I guess we'll just hang out. So we ended up drinking a couple more beers. Like that again, nothing happened. Nothing epic happened. But we thought we were the coolest things ever. Like the coolest kids in town. So we go back to the hotel, crash, and then we wake up the next morning. Okay, we gotta go back. So we hop in the truck and we're driving. And we're like, okay, let's go back. We're heading back towards San Diego, right? We're driving, we're driving, we're driving, and we're like, This doesn't look familiar. Hey dude. Where are we at? I don't know where we at. So we started looking at signs. And neither of us can read Spanish. However, nothing is starting to look like California. Hmm. Well, let's pull over and ask. So right about the time we said, let's pull over and ask. Of course, there's nowhere to pull over and ask because we're in the middle of nowhere. And the car starts, or rather the truck starts overheating. What the hell? Why is the truck overheating? So we pull over because, you know, it's, a, it's an emergency. So we pull over, and the drain plug from his radiator had fell on, fallen out. 
what the, okay, how the hell we, neither one of us are a mechanic, I know how to work on dirt bikes, he knows how to work on bicycles, but we're not a mechanic on cars, we're, what the, how are we going to fix this, so we're sitting there, <clears throat> and all the water's just blowing out of the bottom, because we've been driving for like an hour, so we've been driving for an hour into Mexico, and then the plug decides to jump out of the radiator, hmm, lucky, yeah, maybe not. So we go and we walk and we walk and we walk and finally we find this little house. And it's in the, like the cutout, like there's, there's the freeway, right? And then to the, to the right of it, there's this cutout in the mountain and a house. And, and when I say a house, I mean more like a lot of cardboard, maybe some tinfoil. It's, it's not very much of a house, but this guy comes out and he's like, hola, you know, and we don't speak Spanish. And the only thing, I mean, we, we knew the word agua and... All we could really do was point at the radiator because we didn't know how to say, you know, A, our radiator, just shit, it's drain plug. We, d we didn't know how to say that. So he's like, oh, okay, two kids in Mexico. Hmm, all right, well, I'll hook you up. I'll fix it. And mind, mind you, he's saying all this in Spanish. So we don't know. He just starts doing shit, and we're like, okay, he's doing things. What's he doing? He's climbing underneath. Okay, he's looking underneath there. He sees what the problem is. Okay. And he hops out of there, and he's like, you know, Uno momento or something. I don't know. Wait a minute or just hold your fucking horses. I don't know what he said. He he walks over to the side of the road and he grabs a stick. Like oh shit, we're gonna die by a stick. Nope. He climbs underneath the freaking the truck and he jams this stick into the drain hole hole, like where the the, the, the drain plug goes. He jams the stick in there and then he grabs his shoe, which is kind of a sandalish type shoe. And starts wailing on the stick just to make sure it's in there, right? Okay. All right. Well, that's one way of fixing it. And then he goes back and he just walks away. He doesn't say anything. He just walks away and we're like, okay. Um, so the drain plug issue's fixed. Uh, we still need water. Hmm. And then he comes back. Okay, cool. This is good. He's coming back. And he's got two jugs of, uh, two, two gallon jugs of water. Like, all right, sweet. He's going to hook us up. So he holds he holds out the water jugs, and as we go to grab him, he pulls it back, and magically this dude starts speaking English. Twenty dollars. What the? F Are you serious? Twenty dollars, and he just kept saying that. So I guess that was his going rate. Twenty dollars, whatever he helped you with. Twenty dollars. And uh, so per gallon of water, he charges twenty dollars. So forty dollars later, we fill up the radiator, and we ask him, um, California. And he points the other way. So sure enough, no shit, there we were. Hour driving into Mexico. Yeah, that was not uh, not the plan. We were heading for San Diego, not uh, more Mexico. So we flip a bitch, start driving back towards San Diego, our original destination. And we, uh, on the road, driving back towards San Diego. Hour, two hours, two and a half hours. Starts looking more like America. So we get into San Diego and we find like a Napa or, a, you know, O'Reilly's or whatever parts store that we find. And we go in there and we're like, hey, um, do you have any drain plugs for a radiator? And they're like, no, I, we're fresh out. We don't have any drain plugs. <clears throat> the guy could have been fucking with us. I don't know. But, okay, well. I've seen my dad use JB weld before. That stuff works on everything, right? Let's get some JB weld, and we'll put it on the stick, and that'll get us home, and then we can figure out the drain plug issue. So we climb underneath there, 
and he goes to put the JB weld on there, which is like, I don't know, a dollar or two dollars for whatever, you know, a little tube of JB weld. Get underneath there, and he's mixing it up. And he reaches up to kind of adjust himself. There's that cross member underneath the radiator, a little, you know, bracket piece of metal. He grabs that to adjust himself so he can get, you know, lined up for this JB weld situation. And I hear rattle, rattle, rattle. Ting, ding, 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 ding. It's like, hey, what was that? He's like, holy shit, you're never going to believe what I just found. No shit. He reached his hand up in there to adjust himself and found the drain plug. It had popped out of the radiator and landed in that little channel. It was there all along. A little freaking Mexican that charges 40 fucking dollars for two gallons of water and jammed a stick in the hole probably saw it too and didn't say anything. At least that's how we're, you know the story in our minds goes so he yanks out the stick and all of the little shards and you know uh splinters that are left in the hole <laughs> lets the water drain everywhere puts the drain plug back in there he still put jb weld on there because he was nervous it was going to come back out and we didn't have any tools so he put the jb weld on there we got two more gallons of water or whatever we needed to fill it back up and we head back so that's my mexico story um Another story that comes to mind about being a kid. I was talking about being a tan white guy. Because like I said, I didn't I didn't realize that I was Mexican for the longest time. My mom's white, my dad's white, my sister's white. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the son of my mom in a previous relationship with a Mexican. So, hey, hence I'm Mexican. Um, but, raised, you know, raised around all these white folk, I didn't know that I was Mexican. I was just a tan white guy. So, I, looking back... Well, let's put a little context here. Growing up, dirt bikes are expensive, and I needed money for that and money for this and money, you know, buy parts and candy and pizza and, you know, whatever. So I had odd jobs. Well, some of those odd jobs were mowing lawns and painting addresses on curbs and helping other, you know, neighbors. I dug a ditch for a neighbor and, and whatnot. And looking back, I didn't really realize it until I, you know, started pondering all of these odd jobs that I had just making some money from a dirt bike situation I had all the Mexican jobs now if you're Mexican and 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 this bothers you too bad I'm Mexican I can say that you know we're we're we're, we're the same so what's uh what's funny is I had all the Mexican jobs I was mowing lawns and helping people dig ditches and painting curbs and all these different things and it was like man I I was a Mexican all along. Who knew? I didn't. That's for sure. But uh, so I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm mowing lawns and I'm, I'm walking dogs and I had a paper route for a little while and that was that was great until it wasn't and I was just bored with it and my sister took that over so okay great she had had a white person type job I guess I don't know that's that was the dignified job was delivering newspapers. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I was mowing lawns and, and, and doing all the beaner jobs. Um, and this lasted all the way, you know, like I said, I had the all those odd jobs, and then I worked at Albertsons in high school, of course, and then uh, get out of high school, and I get a job down in Santa Barbara, which was an hour away from where I lived, and I'm working at a motor, uh, motorcycle shop, getting a discount. You know, I thought it was cool because it, it helped me out with all of my endeavors trying to turn pro and be a... Supercross star and all these different things. And uh, 
so I was I was working at this this uh, motorcycle shop down in in Santa Barbara, and my brother comes in and he needs new goggles. So I'm like, all right, I got you, bud. I got you. I'm hooking up with my discount, and I didn't think it was a big deal because the owner's son did it all the time, gave his friends discounts and whatnot. Well, I'm the I'm the lot boy. I'm the I'm the kid that you know walks around and moves the bikes and cleans them, you know whatnot. And I'm I'm not I'm nobody important. I'm nobody. But I had the discount, so I didn't care. I was supposed to be washing the bikes and doing all these things, and I went and went behind the counter and gave my brother a discount. Bam! There you go, brother. <clears throat> he he goes away with his goggles. Well, the owner's wife happened to see this. She had a big problem with that. So we got into a big old argument and whatnot, and I got fired. Hmm. Well, all things considered, everything that's going on in my life, um, I have no skills unless there's, you know, professional curb address painter lawnmower beaner jobs, um, which I'm sure there is, but I, that was not what I wanted to do for my entire life. So I joined the military. Back then, and still kind of now, joining the military is, you know, they, they've chalked it up to you have no other options, you know, and they, they put this negative stigma, well, you're too dumb to go, to go to college, which that's a whole nother podcast talking about that and how our veterans get treated. But in my instance, uh, I didn't have any other options. I didn't have any other skills. So I joined the military and, uh, yeah, I left for the Army. I was going to go be an Apache mechanic. Now, on that note, on that note I'm going to end this. I uh, feel like I'm starting to ramble. But, hey, first podcast is out of the way. If you've made it this far, I appreciate it. I definitely appreciate it. Um, story time has been fun, reminiscent about my childhood. And uh, I hope you come back for the next one. I definitely do. Uh, that should be fairly soon. My buddy Scooter's going to be on the radio, on the podcast, on the on the airwaves. And we're going to play Apocalypse, or some people call it Armageddon. It's going to be fun. You know, it's it's if you haven't heard of the game, it usually involves two people because it's a discussion-based game. But there's 20, 20 situations. you got 20 people, policemen, firemen, doctor, marine, force, recon, whatever, you pick 20 people. Then after you pick these 20 people, you pick 20 characteristics. Uh, choose with his mouth open. Uh, she farts on command. Uh, she's all, the uh, Whatever characteristic it is, sings, you know, Yankee Doodle Dandy 24-7, whatever the case. And then you have to break it down. And you can only take 10, 10 people with 10 characteristics into this bunker for the next 20 years. So you put characteristics in a hat and people in a hat. You pull them randomly, and then you have the discussion because you can only take ten. You got a yes, no, a yes, yes pile, a no pile, and a maybe pile. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun because me and Scooter have a have a pretty funny dynamic, and uh, hopefully you can follow along because we get we go down the rabbit hole. We we uh, we tend to have a hard time staying on topic. So this should be an interesting game slash conversation, but. Um, it, like I said, if, if you've made it this far, I appreciate the love. Uh, do me a favor and share this wherever you can. I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's going to be a lot, of, a lot of fun with a lot of discussions. And as, as the saying goes, we're taking the filter the fuck off. And we are going to 
put all the topics on the table and have a lot of fun with this. So, I'm Joe Rowe. Laters. <laughs>